0: Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Purple Daily presented by Surly Brewing Company. You know, wins. You know, are. You know, I normally move on from those pretty quick and and uh, tend to not. Uh, you know, have have too many warm warm and fuzzy feelings after when it's on to the next. Uh, I would say it's the exact opposite with a loss and 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 you really find yourself. You know. Especially just how I handle a lot of situations, I always look inward first, you know. And that was immediately uh, following, you know, the game. You, you start that process, and um, you know, you, you just know you can be better. You know, I'm going to call Judd out for something here to start Purple Daily. <laughs> nice. I'm call your call your ass to the carpet here, Judd. Oh, sure. right? So on wrap with Roycey today on on our Mackie and Judd podcast Score North YouTube channel. You said, and you've done this twice this week. Mm-hmm. Look at Kevin O'Connell, just taking the blame for everything. It's insinuating that it's kind of BS. He's just oh, he's just he's just taking accountability, taking the blame for everything, right? Well, you gave him fifty percent of your pie chart of blame mm-hmm. after that game on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So he should yeah. be taking. If that's the case, he should be taking blame and looking inward, shouldn't he? Uh
1: the the issue is you can't do that publicly all the time, or it loses its effect. I'm talking from an effect of trying to say it's my fault. You can't say everything. This goes back to his rookie year, I believe, when Carl Anthony Towns fell on the sword for every Wolves loss. And after a while, it's like, dude, no, that's not how it works. Now, once in a while, play calling? Absolutely. But if you're going to do that with Everything I think I think most importantly because I don't care as much about us I think it loses its effect with the players if you're always like well it's my fault it's my fault and it also absolves them a little bit too much well he's so not I, I, I guarantee line.
0: he's not doing that in the film session with these guys he's not sitting up in the front of the room saying I all right uh, so Ed Ingram got. Uh, <laughs> Got blown off the ball there, guys. That's my fault. I think he's I hope, protecting yeah. them to the media a little bit, and he's being honest. Like he probably didn't do a great job, as you pointed out. No, yeah, no, he did. No, setting no, the no, team no. up for that game. And I'm, I'm talking on... about. <laughs> no, maybe I'm going to go instead. No,
2: <laughs> and to defend Judd, you can you can have the blame on Kevin O'Connell for the pie chart, and then also still take the accountability and and kind of parsec the the like dissect the the accountability of if it's authentic and if it's working or not.
0: What would it take to get Kevin O'Connell to do his own pie chart of blame after losses up at the podium? Pulls out his little That'd piece of paper. All right, guys, uh, I got six pieces of pie here. Judd and I have worked on this together. Yep. Uh, I'll take 40%. I didn't get the guys ready. But 20% has got to go to Garrett Bradbury. What was this front office thinking, thinking that he could come back and be the starting center?
1: <laughs> what sort of concerns me a little bit, too, and and I get I get O'Connell's trying to beat the, the anti-Zim, so I understand where this is coming from. What sort of concerns me a little bit, too, though, is I think we all can agree that in a lot of situations when things go wrong, uh, Kirk looks to avoid blame as much as possible. And again, yesterday, like there was a lot of we got to do this. And uh, like there's never the because, you know, each each pick has its own story. And I had one bad pick. It's like, no, dude, you threw three picks. But anyway, um, I don't want to absolve Kirk consistently. Because I think it creates a comfort of being absolved. like that's the tough thing about these jobs is you've got to walk a line of, yes, you don't want to uh, crap on your players and you don't want to blame them for everything, which it felt like Mike started to do, but you also need to hold them accountable, and you also need to know which ones need to be held accountable so that they don't feel this, well, it's not going to be my fault. That's well. where it's, it, it's tough.
0: I love his style of leadership to this point, and I think the most telling thing will be how do they bounce back in the next game, a tough game against the Lions, Agreed. after what happened on a short week as well. By the way, this is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die, and the show is presented by our friends at TCL. No matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances. TCL bringing you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. We will get to our State of the Vikings offense episode here as we do every single Thursday. Uh, But, man, we saw so many people in that first home game sending us pictures inside the stadium of their Before I Die can from Surly. Mm -hmm. It's really cool just to see our show's motto on a beer can. Surly, thank you. Inside U.S. Bank Stadium, just kind of yeah. a kind of a yes. cool thing for, for us to see you guys with those cans.
1: Absolutely, and there there will be another chance on Sunday to enjoy the Before I Die beer. Here's the best part, though. So Surly has uh, m- multiple beers available in the stadium because I also saw a couple of folks in the I believe it was upper deck who couldn't find Before I Die, and they're like, "But I found a Logic Bomb." That's right. Surly has an answer, just like a great coach. Surly has an answer for every type of beer, drinker, and taste, and that's what makes Surly Brewing so damn effective.
0: A freaking men. Thank you. All right, so every Thursday during the season, we just do a deep dive into the Vikings offense, and I bring to you guys a handful of categories or interesting statistics, and we kind of make make our way through each of them. And this one is a little bit of a follow-up on the Week 1 State of the Offense address and some of the themes we've been talking about throughout the offseason. So I personally believe, and trust me, I am an expert having played 8th grade football, but have watched a lot of football and commented on a lot of football in my life. I believe the best offenses in the NFL have three specific things in common. There's other things too, but... To be a great offense, you got to be great on third down. You got to be really good in the face of pressure. You can't just, "Oh my god, they're they're getting pressure. Ah, what do we do?" right? Like you're going to face pressure in NFL games. And then number 3, they don't take a lot of penalties. You can't take three offensive holding penalties and two false starts and still expect to chunk yardage and put yourself in a good position on third down. Now, there have been a lot of offenses in NFL history that can take penalties, and they're just so good that it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> they can Like, the Buffalo Bills were kind of mid-pack in penalties taken last year, mm-hmm. but, oh, it's 3rd and 12, whatever. We have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. They just make up for it. But in general, great on 3rd down, great against pressure, and don't shoot yourself in the foot with a lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. So those are the three categories I'd love to run through here after the first two weeks and kind of see, all right, where are the Vikings in these three categories. Now, for some context, the 2021 Super Bowl-winning Rams that Kevin O'Connell came from, in those three categories last year, they had the fewest false start and holding penalties in the league. So they were basically number one in those offensive penalty categories. They had the second-highest yards per attempt when facing pressure in their passing game. They did throw quite a few interceptions, but... Didn't prevent them from winning the Super Bowl, but when they were completing passes, it was chunked down the field against pressure. Yep. And then they were uh, they were seventh in third down conversion rate. Uh, the Buffalo Bills last year, another gold standard offense in the NFL. Uh, so despite they, they were kind of mid pack in penalties, but because they were they were third highest in third down conversion rate, and by far league leading sixteen touchdown passes when facing pressure, they were able to overcome some things. So let's start with the first one. Let's start with the good news. Penalties through the first couple weeks here. So the Vikings took, I think it was like the second or third most false start and offensive holding penalties in the league last year. So far through two games, they've only taken one false start and zero offensive holding. So they're just, it's early, but there seems to be a little bit more discipline with the jumps, a little bit more discipline. Now I would recommend there was a couple times in that Philadelphia game you might want to you might want to hold somebody hope you don't get caught when there's a jailbreak in the second half. Uh, but I would say that is the good news that this team through two games has been much more disciplined with these offensive penalties, false starts, and holdings mm-hmm. than last year's team was.
1: Yeah, because they took what on against the Bengals in their opener. Last year I think the first play from scrimmage CJ Ham yeah. flinched and got called for a false start. There were three start. on the
0: first drive I think. Yes. yes. But <laughs> but bad. you
1: know what? Too I think that this is a product of the fact that the offense while certainly not perfect and a work in progress is going to be flat out more disciplined, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz like you're not going to have it it never felt like that offense, especially in 2021, had a lot of discipline to it. And and certainly, once you got through the scripted plays, it seemed to get mm-hmm. worse. So, I do think that O'Connell has established at least a discipline uh, and false starts. Look, I mean, it shouldn't be hard to avoid them. Like, that that's one that, that that's just not professional. Holds are a little bit more arbitrary. But yeah, I, I'm not surprised that one of the first things that O'Connell probably has preached about and can get across is, you know what, guys, don't be jumping.
0: Yeah. And some of this, you know, again, I remember back to that Bengals game you referenced, and on the next day's show, I said, some of that's on the quarterback, man. You're the one that's calling the play. You're the one that's giving the snap count, and you're the one that's delivering the cadence at the line of scrimmage. Right. So, yeah. If it happens once, whatever. If it happens like three times in the first few plays, what is happening there? Just that's someone's got to lead in that situation. But anyways, nothing's ever Kirk's fault. Let's get to the second category here because this is where the bad news comes in. These are where the correctable things start to surface. Okay. All right. Third down success. Now, third down in the NFL, the average third down in the NFL is like third and seven ish, third and six and a half, third and seven ish. Sure. So. Largely situations where the opposing team knows you're going to pass and you still have to convert a first down. That's the chess match. It's 3rd and 5, it's 3rd and 8, it's 3rd and 10, it's 3rd and 3. You're probably passing on 3rd down more often than not. And the opposing team knows you're probably passing. So how can you still gain yards and convert the 3rd down when they know you're going to pass? Well... The Vikings so far this year are converting only 32% of their third downs. That's in the bottom like seven in the in the NFL so far. It's down from their 36% rate last year. So they've been worse on third down so far this year than last year. So 32%. The best teams convert 50-ish percent. So they're way off the mark last year, way off the mark so far this year. And that set me down a wormhole. I was kind of curious because one of my biggest criticisms of Kirk is when the opposing team knows he has to pass, it's harder for him. You don't always get your first read. You don't always cuz cuz they might they might have it covered in some way, right? Sure. You're not as you're not as mobile, so you can't get away from pressure. So Kirk Cousins' offenses, Minnesota and Washington, where have they ranked on third down conversions? Mm-hmm. The last 6 years. They've been atrocious. 23rd, 25th, 17th, 9th under Kevin Stefanski. 26th and 31st. If you go back to 2015 and 16, his first two years in the league, those Washington offenses were 5th and 5th in third down conversion rate. Why is that, you might ask? Give me my uh, Brian Windhorst. Why would that be? How would that be? Why would that be? Right. Now that's interesting. Well, in 2015 and 16, the offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins at the time, now commanders, was Sean McVay. So basically, when Kirk Cousins hasn't had Sean McVay as the offensive coordinator for his offense, he has been and his teams have been atrocious, largely, on third down conversion rate. I don't know what that means other than, yeah, Sean, there's a reason why Sean McVay got hired as a 31-year-old head coach coming from Washington. Right. And uh, this tends to fit sort of the eye test, and, and people are gonna. Well, but like, but look at, look at the coordinators he's had, and well, Mike Zimmer was a defensive minded coach, an offensive line, and there's all these things. But at the end of the day, third down conversion is is more about the quarterback making a play than all of the other things around that guy. And if you need all the other things around you to be perfect, it goes back to all right. What do we what are we paying you for here? So he has to. They and he have to be better on third downs and it's a it's a running theme for years and years with Kirk Cousins offenses.
1: Do you have what the average third down and distance is as well because like that's I don't have thing. that for
0: this year yet. Last year it was the longest in the league.
1: Right, which is which is set, setting you up for failure. Yeah. So I guess that's my question because it becomes hard to call plays if it's always third and 8 or third and 9. Mm-hmm. If it's third and five or third and four, it becomes simpler. So I would be, I would be curious what the average down and distance is because that's going to have a direct impact on the whole thing. Where you yep. know you could run, but if it's third and eight, you got to pass.
0: Yeah, and I and I don't I don't have that for today's show, but. Yep. I will keep an eye on that for the season. And it was a major problem last year in that first and second down, whether it was because of penalties or just conservative play calling, getting stuffed on a second and 10, and now it's third and nine. The Vikings had the longest yards to go on third down last year. Um, but because they haven't really taken penalties, I don't know that. I mean, I'm not saying that they're, they're sitting third and four every time. Right. But um, I don't think that's as much of a problem as it was a year ago. But I will find that data for a okay. future Purple Daily episode. But I guess just generally, what do you think about this? That Kirk Cousins' offenses are bad on third down?
1: Oh, it's the least surprising thing in the world to me. Again, when the pressure gets dialed up, he usually, in my opinion, regresses. Um, and so, yeah, if, if he if he's consistently facing a third and seven, third and eight where he has to pass, I don't think that that puts him in a position because then he's going to feel the pressure. Like, I mean, that, that's what happened again on Monday, second half. You know, we, we've talked about this all week. You go back and watch that game. The Philadelphia Eagles were several times attempting to give that game back. Like Mm -hmm. they were literally inviting, Hey Vikings, you sure you don't want to stick around here? Here's, here's seven points here and here's three points there. And the Vikings are like, Whoa, man, no way. Um, And so I think if you look at Kirk from a statistical standpoint of, of, is there pressure there? You'll find that the statistical package of plays that would be considered higher pressure are probably plays in which for the most part, he does not succeed. It's look, It's why the Saints, uh, the big play to Thielen in the playoff game against the Saints, stands out. Because that was one play in this guy's career, which, by the way, now is, what, eight-plus years in um, as a starter. It's one play that you keep going back to because it's so rare. Like, can you imagine, and again, Kirk is not these guys, but... Can you imagine like if one play stood out from, from the best QBs where you consistently kept going back to it? Like it there's a it, array it, gets, of it plays. gets lost. Yeah. Exactly, because there's a resume of plays. Yeah. So that statistic in a, in and of itself does not surprise me.
0: Yeah. So it's it's a huge thing. And again, some of it's on Kirk, some of it's on offensive line and protection, some of it's on scheme, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, on thir- third down is where you make your money as a quarterback. All right. Well, we're in this situation. However, we got there. It's third down and eight, and I need to make a throw regardless of what's happening. Yes, that's how it works in the NFL. Yep. All right. Category number three here: passing game versus pressure. Again, pressure is inevitable in the NFL. The best offensive lines and teams are still allowing pressure on like twenty to twenty five percent of of dropbacks. So. It's a thing in the NFL, especially on the road, especially when you're trailing, especially on third down. Mm -hmm. And week one at home, the Vikings and Kirk were excellent when facing pressure against the Packers. He shredded the Packers. It was one of the best games he's ever played when pressured. Yeah. Week two was a different story. (laughs) It was a train wreck. Uh, He was 5 of 13, one touchdown, two interceptions, a couple of near interceptions as well when pressured. And averaged under three yards per attempt. So that wow. that fell more in line with the last few years of his career, which is he has been one, one once you statistically. This is not just like making stuff up for clicks here, okay? This is which we don't do, except for our clickbait was About Declan. to say, he's he a, say. And, factory, exactly.
2: and and Phil's not the one putting tweets out. I was like, oh, mackey putting out his own tweets. No, that is me. I Phil does not put out his own tweets
0: <laughs> on the Score North account. That is me not stealing that the work. Vain. Yeah. So, statistically, he has not been good against pressure. And statistically, he has not been good once he gets past his first read. Okay. So, th- this, is the, this is the partnership between Kevin O'Connell and Kirk. This is, this is the sweet spot here, man. Like, third downs and facing pressure, can they be better as an offense? Can he be better as a quarterback? Week one was a great blueprint. Week two was the opposite. So where, what's going to happen against the Lions? Other road games, how is it going to look? Um, it's just been a mixed bag so far through two games.
1: So I guess my question off the last thing is this. What is the? And this starts with O'Connell, and certainly it involves Kirk. What is the adjustment now? Because, you know, there's no question the Eagles on both sides of the football saw things on film and, and said, oh, we know how to disrupt that or stop mm-hmm. that. So I guess my question is for this game, and Detroit likes to bring pressure. Like they will bring pressure. What is the adjustment to to now uh, give the Lions a, at least slightly different look at times to keep them off balance when when pressure is coming from Detroit?
0: Yeah, and then I have a, a fourth bonus category for you guys Ooh. here okay. when it comes to great offenses and how they operate beautiful and uh, and this category is getting the ball to your best weapons, mm-hmm. which unless you have, and and I will say specifically in the passing game, so let's take away handoffs for a second here. This is just in the passing game, getting the ball to your best weapons. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some teams like Kansas City that have an amazing Hall of Fame pass catching tight end, like Travis Kelsey or you know San francisco with with George Kittle when he's healthy, et cetera. So there are definitely some tight ends out there. The Vikings, all due respect to our guy, Johnny Munt, they don't really have an explosive pass-catching tight end. They don't have a Gronk or a Travis Kelsey. So, so in the absence of having that tight end, your goal should be to get the ball to your explosive wide receivers. So for some context here, I'll use the Rams last year again. 72% of Matthew Stafford's passes went to wide receivers last year. The Buffalo Bills, I'll use them again. 71% of Josh Allen's passes went to wide receivers last year. The Vikings last year, under Mike Zimmer, Kubiak, 60% of throws went to wide receivers. So again, we're talking 72, 71 for some of these top offenses. 60% to wide receivers last year. Okay, all right, got it. Let's get the ball to Thielen, get the ball to Jefferson, get the ball to KJ Asborn. Well, so far this year, it's 55%. 55% of targets have gone yeah. to wide receivers for the Vikings, which far. means 45% of their passing targets have gone to running backs, tight ends, and the one to CJ Ham. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that those players are explosive enough, maybe Delvin Cook here and there, but the other players in that grouping aren't explosive enough to be getting 45% of your targets. So, again, some of this is probably schematics. Some of it's things that the defense is just forcing you into. Yep. Some of it's the quarterback making decisions to go away from top weapons. K.J. Osborne's done nothing really so far this year, right? Thielen you know, took until garbage time. Yep. So that is something that needs to bump up. The Vikings, without a great pass-catching tight end, probably need to go from 55 to like 70% targets to wide receivers ASAP. What do you guys think?
1: So I think that that this goes back to a conversation that we had as the regular season was approaching Um, offensively. So there are some Kirk things I've seen good in in week one and concerning in week two, but remember, I don't think these guys were lying when they said that this system um, introduced a lot of very complex things. And so I think in fairness to the entire offense, um, and, and this is not excusing completely um, um, f- falling apart in my opinion in the second half against Philadelphia. But I think this is going to take some time. So, like, am I really am am I really putting weight on Keelan's lack of activity through two games? Not yet. Now, if we're five or six games in and he's still not uh, seeing the football, that changes things. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think that there needs to be? a bit more, if not far more, dedication to getting the ball in some way, shape, or form more consistently to Dalvin Cook? Absolutely. But I I don't think anybody was kidding when they talked about, and you could see this in training camp practices too, that this was going to be a work in progress. So I think the first month or so, it's going to be trial and error. It's going to be some mistakes. um, And I'm not going to start to really try and pick apart What's going wrong with the scheme itself? Until we're at least a month plus in, that doesn't mean that I don't want to see more from certain players, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But schematically, I think that there's a lot of things that that uh, O'Connell brought from the Rams system that are probably get into a into the difficulty of X's and O's and it becoming um, becoming more second nature to run the plays absolutely correctly.
0: Yes. And
1: and potentially fire on all cylinders. So I'm not concerned yet.
0: I asked our guy, Alex Boone, on the Trenches podcast the other day, part of the Purple Daily podcast feed, Purple Daily YouTube channel. Love it. I said, realistically, it it was too much to expect this thing to just look the way that it's supposed to look after two games. I said, how many weeks until this offense should look the way it's supposed to look? He said, four or five. He said, "If they're not clicking on all cylinders by like the fourth or fifth game, then something's something's off, or there's there are components that are wrong." So, but that's coming up quick, man. This is week three, and then you got the London and then Bears games in that four to five week range. So, if basically what Booney is saying is, if by the time that Saints game in London rolls around or the Bears game the week after, and there's that's a weird travel situation, so there might be other variables. But if your offense isn't looking a little bit more clean and smooth on a regular basis, then time to dig a little deeper
1: if you can't match the dolphins by that game you're just flat out in a ton of trouble like that's the game where it's go time i think you can beat the bears by showing up and and taking the game seriously uh i think the dolphins game is where if it's still like whoa this offense well we don't you know um the dolphins are going to score points and and that becomes a game where you have to match them which which look Monday, that fell woefully short. But I think by the Dolphins game, it's very fair to expect this offense to be operating extremely efficiently. It's clearly not there yet.
0: Uh, By the way, on, on, on the defensive side, we'll get to, maybe we can throw this into the bin that is, what are people saying about the Vikings? Because Ed Donatel is saying some really interesting things about what happened on Monday night. Okay. But before we get to what are people saying about the Vikings, that breakdown of... The Vikings' current offensive problems, presented by our friends at Underdog Fantasy, Declan Goff.
2: Yes, Underdog Fantasy, the Underdog Fantasy app. So it's uh, it is Thursday night football this evening against the Steelers. Who uh, we got? Steelers and Browns. And uh, so Dex yep. tweets had had a pretty rough week of it, a rough go of it. Underdog Fantasy. Here, here's the here's also the good part though about having a rough week. You can fade my selections. So I, I'm going to pop this on the YouTube screen right here. All right, so it's Mitch Trubisky versus Jacoby Brissett. Godspeed for everyone who watches this game. But uh, I put the higher on the rushing yards at 12 and a half for both of these quarterbacks. I think both of them can get 13 yards rushing because God knows they can't really pass the ball down the field too well. So you can make these picks with me. Or you can fade these picks. The link is in the bio. You can either make money with me or you can make money against me because I'm sometimes an idiot. Underdog Fantasy. <laughs> Download the Underdog Fantasy app. Promo code SCORE. SKOR. They'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Underdog Fantasy in the Underdog Fantasy app.
0: It's a great way to do it. If you think we're idiots, why don't you put your money where you're yeah, I might do that tonight. <laughs> fade me. Fade
1: Declan. I played along uh, with him last time. It didn't work out so well for me.
0: Speaking of fading, uh, the weight has faded off Judd's body over the past 12 months or so. It's crazy. That is
1: true. That That's true. And, and that, of course, as I've been talking about for months now, thanks to our friends at Livia Weight Control Centers, down 40 pounds, keeping that weight off, which is the most important thing. Dawn joined. She's down 16 plus pounds. And look, it works. It, it works as a really, really, in my opinion, easy way to lose the weight and then again the most important thing is to keep that the weight off if you join now you'll receive eight weeks for free and the new flex program lets you enjoy the foods you love that includes you know fruit pasta and bread and with in-person or virtual uh visit options state-of-the-art equipment to uh to take um to take account of your body competition um, composition and an app to track your progress you're going to see results fast how do you do it livia.com l i v e a.com 855 go l i v e a livia.com is where the weight loss starts.
0: Uh, all right, um let's get into what are people saying about the Vikings here. Where we scour the the internet. Sometimes we we sometimes the comments are coming from inside the house, <laughs> which Thank is you. what happened today at the Ed Donatel press conference. So Kevin Seifert has a great summation of Ed Donatel's time speaking to the media here. He says, on the first half against the Eagles, which was a train wreck, Mm -hmm. Donatel said, quote, there's no question our execution was off. Seifert then asked Donatel about the scheme he used, which led to 24 points and 347 yards allowed by halftime, and Donatel disputed that he played only a shell defense, calling the term overused. So he's saying he's defending his scheme and saying the execution was off. Um, Donatel added that cornerback Cam Dantzler, quote, misread what was in front of him on the coverage bust that led to a 53-yard touchdown pass on Monday night. And then Caleb Evans replaced Dantzler late. No starting lineup change is expected. Dantzler's going to be back as the starter, but that 53-yard touchdown pass. So Bynum chose to bite on a tight end underneath route, leaving Dantzler alone. And Dantzler, I think, I'd have to go watch the play again. Dantzler maybe thought that Bynum was going to be behind him on that play. Yeah. So there was some miscommunication, and uh, Donatel singled out Dantzler as the guy that misread what was happening on that play. So, well, either way.
1: Boy, I'd like to hear his response, the player's response.
0: I think Dancler's not shy about giving his response
1: sometimes. I think you're exactly right about that, but I would, love to, uh, I would love to know more about that play, the design, and if the player agrees that, uh, yeah, you know what, the scheme was fantastic, the execution was your, uh, that's interesting.
0: So like Seifert that. puts one more bow on this and yeah. says, To sum it all up, Donatel considered the first half of Monday Night's Game to be an issue of execution, not scheme and game plan, Everyone can have an opinion on it, but that's his opinion. <laughs> Dude, Kevin Seifert is so good. Oh, it's great to have him. Oh, man, he's back on that beat. ESPN.com, you want to read his stuff. Fantastic. So, all right, well, it's well, maybe maybe it is a great scheme. It would look like a great scheme in week one against the Packers. We'll see what it looks like against the Lions here. Yeah. Um, let's keep moving through what are people saying about the Vikings. Uh, again, another call that's coming from inside the house. This is actually part of our old tweets exposed catalog here. We we didn't have time on Mackie and Judd today, so Declan is going to bring some old takes exposed to the table here.
2: All right, this was uh, from OTAs with uh, Judd Zolgat's first observation.
1: Don't laugh because you're going to laugh, but don't laugh. Don't sleep early in the season on Johnny Munt. Tight end from the Rams. Johnny okay. Munt. Johnny okay. Munt. That
0: That worries me.
1: Okay, okay, but here's why. I, I don't want to worry you. I don't want to worry you, and I don't want to say that this is a long-term thing. But let, but let me explain myself very quickly here. Don't sleep on the fact that Johnny Munt knows this scheme, and it's clear inside and out. He is going right now at full speed, Where, where and this is not a criticism. Again, I want to make it very clear. This is not Vikings hating. But it's very clear that there's lots of guys that are like, their head is swimming. They're trying to learn, Right. Johnny Munt's learned this whole thing.
0: Johnny so Munt's been in the NFL for five years. He's caught 10 passes.
1: I know. But what I'm saying is Johnny Munt is a guy that early in the season could give you a few key catches here and there. I'm not saying he's going to become a star. I'm just saying the fact that he knows the system is going could be an early season asset. I, I wow. should get a point for it. I should get a right wow. point Good for right. you. I mean, a, wow. That is, that, thanks, Dex. That You're analysis, welcome. You're welcome. spot on.
0: It legitimately was. And you you nailed it down to the, hey, I'm not saying he's going to be a massive piece, but he could get you a few key catches early, which is exactly <laughs> what he has what done happened. so far. <laughs> yep. So Johnny Munt, and by the way, I was wrong. I apologize for doubting Judd's observations at training camp, <laughs> which Johnny were Munt. spot on, and for doubting Johnny Munt. Johnny Mont this is yeah this is year 6 in the NFL he has already through 2 weeks set a career high in receptions for a season <laughs> yep. and he is eight off his career high in yards his previous best season was 2020 with the Rams he caught 4 passes for 53 yards and one first down in that game so or in that season i should say
1: eight yards could come on sunday against the lions couldn't it gentlemen
0: Oh, I think it will, and I think it'll be a touchdown, as I already predicted this week. And-
1: yeah, now you're on. You oh. know, oh. No, no, on you know what? Yeah. Mackie, get off the month bandwagon. You weren't <laughs> on when it mattered. Now you can't get on.
0: Oh, that's amazing. All right, congrats to Judd there for, for nailing that one. It <laughs> was a
1: great find, Dex. I love that stuff.
0: All right, uh, what are people saying about the Vikings? Let's go to the theringer.com, where their weekly quarterback rankings have been updated. Now, I believe they moved kirk they had kirk at like 15 or 16 in week 1 mm-hmm. and then they got really excited as everyone did after the first game
2: you can see where he goes if like you go by the above their name i believe there's a little graph so i think he went up
0: to 12 or 13 13 yeah yeah he went from 15 to 13 mm-hmm. after the first game mm-hmm. and now they bumped him back down to 15 after <laughs> okay the debacle performance um I think the I don't I think the breakdown here is more. It's like the breakdown from the beginning of the season. So I'm not going to read you that, but uh, they've got him now, and you can. This is the debate here. So they've I'll read the ones that are above him. By the way, they have Jalen Hurts behind Kirk at 16th. But he's he's risen. He's what he was from from 21st to 16th. Mm-hmm. I think I'm taking Jalen Hurts. I'll think the mobility and whatnot. But uh, above Kirk, they now have Matt Ryan fourteen, no, Derek Carr thirteen, Trevor Lawrence. I agree with. Got mocked for saying that before, before training camp. Yeah. Uh, Twelve, Matthew Stafford eleven, Joe Burrow ten, Dak Russ, Kyler Lamar, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, do you agree that he is now worse than Matt Ryan or Derek Carr?
1: No, I think he's better than Matt Ryan. I think Jalen Hurts should be above Kirk. I guess I don't really agree with how those rankings fall out. And the Colts are a mess, you guys. They are. The Colts are are just a mess.
0: Yeah. I kind of thought, and listen, that division is so bad, there's plenty of time for them to turn it around. Sure. I kind of thought, oh, this has some 2009 Vikings vibes where you bring in the old washed-up gunslinger, (laughs) but he's got one more ride left in him with a roster that's ready to rock. But I don't know, man. It looks pretty ugly, so I guess uh, is that accurate? Kirk Cousins is now the fifteenth best quarterback in the NFL, or would you would you put him higher? It's about right. I put,
1: put yeah, because I I put Jalen Hurts above Kirk right now. Hurts is off to a really good start, and I think he's a good quarterback. Tua like, has pretty. risen
0: from twenty third to eighteenth. By the way, mm-hmm.
1: well, that might <laughs> be completely legit too. That game on Sunday cannot be dismissed.
0: Helps to have wide-open, yeah. fast receivers being you know schemed what? across the field, too. Good I for mean, him, he was man. hitting wide-open targets in that game, but he, hey, you he know, hit had for 400-plus yards. So. so
1: I'm not going to put him down for that. Uh-uh.
0: So there it is. That's what people are saying about the Minnesota Vikings here. Um, Vikings Ventline, by the way, the most fan-friendly, interactive show in Minnesota sports. We'll be uh, taking flight again right after the Vikings-Lions game ends on Sunday. So if you haven't experienced it or if you want some more therapy, win or lose, we've got you covered on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Before we get to random Viking of the week, Judd, why don't you show the audience those glorious Minnesota Lottery scratch-off tickets. Right here. Look at those things, man.
1: Oh, they're beautiful. And, And here's the nice thing. Win or lose. So if the Vikings lose, yeah, that might suck. But guess what? You can still w- win big, and that is not a misprint. That is a $10.2 million in total cash prizes, because right now it's time to go big with the lottery's big-ticket scratch game. It's so big, it has huge second-chance prizes. The lottery, just say, I am in. You must be 18 or older to go big. But again, it can make a Vikings loss. It, it can soothe the pain just a little bit if you can win some cash with yeah. this Viking scratch game.
0: I want to see the Vikings rain passes down on Justin Jefferson's head this mm-hmm. Sunday, like like hail coming from the top of U.S. Bank Stadium. Wow, yeah, might man, cause some damage. But there's a place to call if yeah. it does cause. Hey, damage.
2: Man Campbell, if you know if Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne are running up and down the, your defense, you might want to call our friends at Hail Ace. Our guy Adam in South St. Paul with Hail Ace, he fixes auto automotive hail damage. We got some hail even this week in the eastern suburbs. Um, They will work with insurance companies to help you handle your claim from start to finish, and the hail damage claims do not raise your insurance rates. You might think, oh my gosh, my insurance rates are going to go up. No, he'll take care of that for you. You can book this appointment at hailace.com. And for all Vikings fans, if you bring in your vehicle during September and October, you'll be entered in a drawing for a late season Vikings tickets to the Polaris Club. The mm-hmm. Polaris Club, baby. So you can get fix your car. You can nice. get maybe a drawing for a Vikings game. Go to hailace.com to book your appointment now.
0: All right. What are people saying about the Minnesota Vikings uh, transitioning into random Viking of the week here where Judd faces off against the combination of Declan and or myself. It has become a two-on-one battle every week because Judd has dominated. He has a 35-18 to 18 lead this week. I will throw out the clues. Declan will step in to the ring against. I suffered Judd here. a
1: devastating loss last.
2: Yeah, week. some people were saying you should have gotten the point, but I, I sorry, you didn't oh, say really? the name. Yeah, some people said it was a little bit of um, BS on oh. my part to award it to Mackie, but you never said the name.
1: You you just said, oh, it's. Oh no, I did. I did say the name, but Phil Phil heard, and I mean, it was my fault. But Phil heard the Phil heard my response, said. The name as i was going to say it it was a very dumb well, not, move yeah. bill said like, it before I, I would have liked you never the said point, the name before not, it filled it well and i'm i'm mad at it myself like i look at the film mm. and you know i mean it's my fault like that was all do my fault do we need fault. to slow
0: down the film and the audio be, to make sure that i, I said the be, name Reese, oh. no you know what you said the Gopher well, kicker and then
2: Phil yeah, immediately yeah, said no, Reese and Phil Lloyd. Said it. that's not but i mean first not, of all that name's not golfer kicker
1: through through back channels i did hear that it might have been somewhat of a bs win but you know what there's no excuses here it's my fault i take full
0: responsibility i own it i mean this is a hundred percent self-inflicted i'm yeah. glad you're owning That's this what i'm saying yes. if i if i were to come out like if the tables were no, turned and i would th- want the point now in my head i would have been thinking oh i think he's talking about the gophers kicker but i would have strategically no. kept that part in yep. my own thoughts Nope. If I, I come out if I come out like I'm looking at previous random Vikings here, by the way, uh Jeb went on a run earlier in the season where he guessed Matthew Hatchett, Phil Lodeholt, Bobby Wade, Sean Salisbury, Jim Kleinsasser, Moel Moore, Archie Manning, and Sage Rosenfels all in a row. Mm-hmm. If we got to that Sage Rosenfels one and I said out loud, Oh, it's uh it's the Iowa State quarterback that backed right. up uh Brett Favre in two thousand nine and that. you said Sage Rosenfels. You're right. You no, know, no, I'm blaming myself.
1: I'm blaming myself. It was self-inflicted. It was absolutely <laughs> stupid. And I'm going to tell you right now, it partially had to do with the fact that the previous night, I had a lot of surly. And I wasn't <laughs> oh, thinking just... clearly. And and oh, man. it's ironic that, that a beer named Logic Bomb, in my opinion, caused me to do something illogical. So uh, I hope to be better this week.
0: Amazing. Um, all
1: right. It's, not, it's just stupid.
0: <laughs> Let's get to the, to the game here. So right. I'm going to throw out a series of clues. You guys get up to three incorrect guesses before you are eliminated. You can ask me questions, but I can refuse to answer them if I want. This random Viking of the week hails originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. This random Viking of the week played college football in the Big Ten. you got it
1: uh no because I was gonna guess a uh former Viking tight and who is from Cincinnati I believe but oh
0: Judd a, had a guess ready ready to rock
1: but it's not a it, but it's not a big ten player it's a fighting Irish player that I was gonna guess so,
0: so okay. right. this random Viking of the week let's see here this random Viking of the week I'm gonna get you, get you this clue this is a great clue. In a 2020 episode of Catfish, the TV show, the host discovered that the catfish they are tracking down in the episode used this random Viking of the Week's photos on a fake Instagram account.
1: Oh, definitely uh, might get this now. Dex, I love catfish. I
0: it's a great show. Uh. Right. I did not know. I have not seen this episode. But so that he is used amazing. this
1: guy's photos?
0: Yes. So somebody was launched a fake Instagram account with this random Viking of the week's photos to try and, like, hook up with girls. I got
1: you. I got you. I don't don't know the show as well. Don loved it.
0: This random Viking of the week made $14 million playing football. This random Viking of the week, he felt that his NFL career was cut off a little earlier than he would like. He was quoted once as saying, when they say you're a bad apple, they don't want you on your team, on their team. This random Viking of the week was a two-sport athlete. That's not surprising,
1: I guess. So uh, wait, a two-sport athlete in college or just just...
0: He played two sports for money. Uh, This random Viking of the week I just took a scroll through his Twitter account He appears to be an underwear model now For a company called uh, Myth Body Collection Myth Body Collection is normalizing sexy Being free in one's body is the greatest liberty
1: So this is a good looking man
0: uh, and no, John Sullivan is not the the answer. He was also. He's from Connecticut. Nor is Phil Lodhold. Yeah, this has to be. Uh, this has to be a skill position guy. Well, this random Viking of the week ran a four eight forty yard dash in college. A four eight. A four eight. That's not that fast. Hmm this random Viking of the week scored one touchdown in his career in 97 career NFL games boy one of the photos on this uh, myth body collection that he retweeted is definitely just a close up shot of his mid region in a pair of underwear Mm. Yep, yeah, definitely below the belly button and well above the kneecaps. One, zoomed in. That is, the, that is the photo. Red underwear. All righty. Okay, so one touchdown in 97 games. Mm hmm. This random Viking of the week played for two NFL coaches Brad Childress and Mike Smith. <laughs> Ray Edwards. And this ra- we have a guess. We have a guess, and it is. Oh, oh, it's nice. <laughs> nice. Good job, Dex. Ray Edwards is now an underwear model. Oh my god! He, he was a two-sport athlete, and that he also was a tw- a twelve and one record as a professional boxer. I
1: I saw him <laughs> against a complete tomato can with Pellicero in like Duluth or something. Grand Casino
0: Hinckley. Yeah, Grand Casino that was Hinkley. not.
1: He was he was twelve oh and one boxing against guys like me.
0: Dude, because there is. Let me pull this up, man. There's a list of all of his boxing opponents. And, like, almost none of them have Wikipedia pages because, you know. No,
1: the guy I saw him against guys. was literally probably 40 pounds heavy. Okay. Like he
0: was the, They've got, He was terrible, by the dude, way. Dude, they've got a list of, here's the list of his boxing <laughs> opponents. Not a full list, but they all have, like, nicknames. But none of oh, yeah. them are actual. They don't yeah. have, like, Wikipedia pages or anything. Right. Uh, Corey be. Spare Tire Briggs. That's probably who I saw him against because he had a spare tire. Okay, he knocked that guy out in 41 seconds. Jeez, Nick Turbo Tax Capes he knocked out in 29 seconds at the Red River Valley Fairgrounds in North Dakota. Minnie Van Goodman he beats in uh, at Grand Casino. What are these mobsters
1: was... or boxers?
0: I know. Sam, like I Mom. am coming. He beat. <laughs> Good. God, I don't even want to. DJ, don't get me confused with DL Hewley. He beat once in North Carolina, Brandon, the sizzler Spencer. He won via unanimous decision in six rounds. Uh, And then he beat his only loss came in 2016 to Keenan Goodberger Hickman via knockout.
1: Yeah. Just to be clear, he lost the day he stepped into the ring at all. I mean, it was.
0: I wonder how much money he made for those 13. Well, he had a draw against Grover Young. I don't think no. he made much at all. He
1: he was hoping to be a real boxer, but l- when we saw him, it was not going to work. It was pretty
0: bad. Yeah, pretty bad. So yeah, I Declan Goff, dude, coming that's in. That's
1: a sport where if you're good, it, it's like, well, of course. That's that, oh, that doesn't look, you know. And then you, you like see a guy who's got no footwork. Yeah, that's yeah. a job by Declan. Well, Mike I knew Smith.
2: I knew he played for the Falcons. Um, God, he signed a five-year, thirty-million-dollar contract and was cut after a season and a half.
0: That's yeah, why you got to look at pain, the, look at yeah. the guarantee on those. Yeah. Contracts.
1: So. But, but I think 11 mil. Guarantee.
0: Pain. pain. Mm. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's true. Nice. That's called a winning streak, right? We got two, two wins back. in a row. over well, this one, here.
1: Let's be very clear. This one was far more legit than yours last week.
0: Phil. I had, I took a college class with Reese Lloyd once. I know more about Reese Lloyd than you well, ever. I Rose, had the guy. answer
1: and I gave it to you now, but, but, Declan deserves a round of applause because that's a heck of a win.
0: Nice, nice job, Dex. Thank you. Nice job out there. All right. That's uh, that's your Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment for today. Don't forget to check out our friends Jesse and Thor on the Before We Die podcast, Purple Daily podcast feed, and the Purple Daily YouTube channel, and also uh, Vikings Vent Lion again right after Vikings and Lions this Sunday. We'll see you guys tomorrow for a little feedback Friday.